Praise you, Jesus. You are the same God now and forever. You can sit down. We are privileged to have Pastor Ben Thompson with us today. If you haven't been here for about 15 years or more, you might not know this guy. <laughs> ben was our pastor uh, maybe 15 years ago for a couple of years. Something not, like not that. quite, but at your age, that's what it seems okay, like. Okay, well, whatever. <laughs> so we're happy to have Pastor Ben with us today, and let's pray together while he uh, brings us the Lord's word. Jesus, thank you for this brother who's here to bring us your words May we listen attentively, and may you direct his thoughts and words. May uh, everything done and said bring honor and glory to you, and may we find you in the words that are coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Rod. So, Eric, I just uh, I, I want to make it clear that you can have more than one spiritual gift. There are also natural talents and abilities, so don't give up. Good morning. Well, it's good to almost be able to see you all. Usually when I'm in the spotlight, it's a bad thing. But I can see, I can see some of you. Uh, I'm interactive uh, at times, so those of you who feel a need to interact, go ahead. I make no promises as to what my responses may or may not be, Justin. Uh, but you know they will be swift and immediate. Uh, <laughs> But it's good to see so many uh, people that I recognize, like me. Some of you have grown a little bit more blonde, um, and that's good. That's a sign of surviving, uh, some of the things that life throws at us. I bring you greetings from Jill today. She had some other commitments um, and um, wouldn't be here today probably anyhow because of the guest speaker. But other, other than that... Um, I bring you greetings from her. She's still working hard uh, with the city of Hagerstown and at, at the church we're currently attending. Maggie is going to be 21 next month. She's almost the same age as her dad, uh, though somewhat more mature, uh, so that's good. Uh, and it is amazing how quickly that happens. Uh, she's in her third and final year at Hagerstown Community College running with them, so I'm, I'm glad some of the good habits from some of the people here in Waynesboro uh, have rubbed off on her, so she is, uh, she's also helping at the JFK 50 this coming week, if any are you running the 50 miler, uh, I'm sure you'll see her, how many of you are planning to go for a 50 mile run next Saturday? Well, that's disappointing. <laughs> uh, it is, uh, it is always a pleasure to be invited anywhere to share God's Word, and to be invited back is, is uh, certainly an anomaly, uh, but it is good to be here this morning. Uh, I, I've got a message that it's kind of come from, uh, or, or will show signs of, of growth in how my life has developed in my understanding in ministry, and uh, you'll hear some of that uh, hopefully this morning for those of you that were here 15 years ago when I lived in West Virginia. <laughs> it's, a, it's all right, Rob. 
It's coming up on that time. Uh, introverts making an impact. Uh, we know extroverts are people who are motivated or, or refreshed or energized by being with others. Introverts are energized uh, by time alone. However, there's some common assumptions about introverts and extroverts, right? Extroverts are, are, are loud. They're more outgoing. They speak to a crowd. They're, ah, you know, out here. That's, you know, some of, the, uh, some of the common assumptions. And in church, often people who are not extroverted feel like they're just not at the right level. Now, in a group this size, there's going to be people on both sides of that. Um, but so often, sermons are all about the extroverts in the scripture and, and with a desire to inspire, right? But the, the heroes of the faith and the extroverted things they did and that God did through them, Peter and Paul and, you know, David and the warriors and the preachers and the missionaries, those are, are the folks that are often the topics of our messages in order to inspire us. We know the scriptures talk about going and, and making disciples, go and preach the gospel, and, and we often translate that as a public proclamation of the gospel. And so we hear a lot of extroverted language from people who are already standing up in front of a crowd speaking. Hmm, curious. Uh, and, and introverts and shy extroverts, we know that we're to be witnesses. We know that we're to take the gospel into all the world. But that whole public aspect seems a little bit foreign or a challenge to us. So I want to address that from the scriptures just a little bit today uh, because it isn't so on all levels. So today I want to look at um, four insights for introverts who want to make an impact. Acts chapter 9, would you stand with me this morning? Introverts, are you ready? You can just nod imperceptibly. Acts chapter 9. Let me back you up. Here's the setting. Read this with me if you would. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. So that's kind of the backdrop. That's not where we're going today, but I want you to understand the backdrop. And then Saul has an encounter with Jesus that leaves him both convinced and blind. Here's our passage this morning. I want us to focus on Ananias. Other than the work of God, he's the central human figure in this. Let's continue reading with verse 10. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias 
coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest anyone who calls on your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterwards, he ate some food and regained his strength. Lord, help us to hear what you're saying today through your word. Help us to hear the voice of your spirit today and allow you to strengthen us, to change us, and to empower us for service in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated unless you prefer to stand. That's all right. So we're going to talk today about this guy named Ananias. Ananias of Damascus. Three Ananias that I found in the Bible. We're familiar with the extrovert Ananias. He stood up in front of Fairview Avenue Church 2,000 years ago when Rod was just new here and said, we sold everything and gave everything to the missionaries. He and his wife, Sapphira, uh, back when the people of the church were not judgmental, and so God had to be uh, judging purity and holiness. So we know about the extrovert Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, who uh, got to meet Jesus that day in church, um, something like that. We also, as Christmas is coming, we hear about another Ananias who got to celebrate the coming of Messiah, saw him with his own eyes. But this is the Ananias that we don't hear much about, Ananias from Damascus. This Ananias, we don't hear a lot about, he had no title, it wasn't Reverend Ananias, he had no church function. He wasn't worship leader Ananias. He wasn't director of children's ministries Ananias. There, there was nothing that we see in Scripture that tells us this guy was the man on stage. And now, again, extroverts, you can hang with me today. The principles we're going to hear today, uh, you have permission to practice them just more loudly, more publicly, with more flair and more, more flamboyance than introverts. But Ananias was not, and there's nothing wrong with being on stage. It'd be kind of weird if there wasn't anybody leading the discussions, right? Kind of weird, right? No, no, we all sit around and go, right? Ananias was just a believer in Damascus. There is no record of any public preaching or public ministry from him. And so, therefore, being the great study scholar of, of Greek and ancient languages, I said he must be an introvert. 
made sense to me. So that's where we're at today. And from the reading of this passage, let me ask you, do you believe this guy, Ananias, was used by God to make a significant difference in God's kingdom? Absolutely. So the question is, how did he and how do we make an impact? I want to give you four things today that tell us how we, like Ananias, can make an impact, whether we're an extrovert or an introvert. The first thing is that we need to respond. <laughs> Thanks, Rod. You're coming along. Ananias was someone whose lifestyle was listening for the voice of God. And God spoke to him, and he spoke to him about something significant. I don't know how often Ananias had personal prayer and personal devotions or public prayer or extended prayer times, but I do know that he kept his inner man in tune to hear the voice of God. Listen, I think we complicate things in the church way too often. Right? Hearing the voice of God is hearing the voice of God. It doesn't have to be through the PA system, right? It doesn't have to be through the latest teacher. It, it, God uses all different ways to speak to us, but we want to learn to recognize His voice and respond. Irv greeted me this morning, as has been happening since Jesus' time. Not knowing what the message was today, Irv said something about that he still recognized my voice. So that told me Irv, unlike many of you, paid attention when I preached. But that's all right, guy. I love you anyhow. But Irv said he recognized my voice. Why is that? How did that happen? Well, he heard and listened in the familiarity, right? Um, some of you, if you call me on the phone, I'm going to know it's you because I have caller ID. When my mom calls me, I don't need caller ID. I know her voice. One of the things for those of us who, who, who have lost someone, that, that really tough time when you no longer are sure what their voice sounded like. You know what I'm saying? That's a tough thing. But yet we, we still know what their voice was like, don't we? Listen, church, God speaks to us. We get familiar with his voice through the scriptures. He revealed himself and how he communicates with us through the scripture. But if you have a relationship with God through Christ, you also are becoming familiar with the voice of the Spirit and how he speaks to you. Nature is one of the, the, the voices that God uses to speak to me. Children and youth are, are among the voices God uses to speak to me. As I watch them interact with life and with God with less of my baggage. But we can know and must know and learn to know better the voice of God. Is it possible that sometimes those of us who are extroverts are making too much noise to hear him? Mm -hmm. I am running way too fast. You got to tell you. 
let's not complicate it. Let's just listen. And it's not like we have to walk around like this 24-7. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> no, but throughout the day, take a moment and pause and listen. I love the story of, of Moses as he's in the, in the desert, in the wilderness. Out of, I believe, out of his peripheral vision, he sees a bush on fire. Scripture says he turns aside to inquire. Right? Ananias, God speaks to him, and, and what is his response? Two words. Yes, Lord. Hello? If we want God to make an impact through us, the first step is to simply respond to his voice. Yes, Lord. Too often we get that gentle nudge. <laughs> we do this. We get busy. We distract ourselves because what if God is saying something we don't want to hear? Let me break through one of the lies of the enemy today. God is seldom saying something you don't want to hear. We're afraid and still living as New Testament believers as though God is judging us like he did in the Old Testament before Jesus took our punishment. The judgment that God has was poured out in Christ on the cross. So those of, of us who are afraid to listen because he might be judging us have missed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you're worried about God judging you, come to Christ, accept his forgiveness because all of the wrath of God was poured out upon him. So we don't need to be afraid of the judgment of God. Now, I can tell you my dad's voice is still in my head about some things that seemed a little judgmental. A little harsh. My dad has never been Jehovah God. I'm learning to separate the voices. And sometimes we read through Scripture, and what's recorded in Scripture is some of these big things. Right? I'd like you to part the Red Sea. Yeah, <laughs> well, that'll be embarrassing if that doesn't work. I think I'll jump into some texting or Facebook. Listen, Moses never parted the Red Sea. He just stuck a stick over the water. The first step is respond. Yes, God. What are you saying? Can we do that? Can we do that? Yeah. Second thing today. Oh, <laughs> don't ghost the Holy Ghost. Omega just came to me because I offered a guy a job and haven't heard from him since. So for those of you Rod's age and older, ghosting is when you initiate an, inv uh, 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 an interaction with someone and they never call you or text you or email you or Facebook you or come to see you. It's like they've become a ghost, right? That's ghosting. Don't do that. I mean, that's not even polite in America, right? For those of you teenagers in the room, don't do that. 
just thought I'd be emphatic there. <laughs> so the second thing that happens, though, God speaks to Ananias and says, Ananias, I want you to just, you know, show up for church and, and have a cup of coffee and then sneak out the back earlier. No, he says, Ananias, I want you to go over to Straight Street. So, you know, go down to Main Street, just past the Waynesburger. And in that apartment building, there's a guy praying to me, and I want you to go pray for him. The guy's name is Saul the Murderer of Believers. And Ananias does something that we think is unbiblical, but in fact it is biblical. He says, what? That's the new super modern translation. Ananias says, I need to get this straight. All right, I got straight street, but are we talking about the Saul that just got the okay to arrest me if I show up? So, modern day, I want you to go into the heart of Baghdad, find the baddest imam with the most power and the most fanatical followers, and tell him, in fact, Jesus is Lord and Muhammad is not. Oh, no problem. So, Ananias says, let me get this straight. God, can you reaffirm that? Listen, most of the time what God speaks to us is not something that is this risky. Most of the time, God is barely asking us to risk our own pride or our own ego or much of our own time that isn't ours anyhow. But it is entirely okay, and there's a, a constant pattern in the Bible of people that God uses to do powerful things that go, let me get this straight. When it's high risk, it's good to make sure you've heard right. That's not a sin. And it isn't trying to escape and bargain with God either. That's a whole different thing. God, let me tell you all the reasons I can't do what you want. No, he's saying, this is big. Let me get this right. How many of you who know me could ever imagine that there are times God gives me one little nugget and I run 100 miles per hour way past the stop sign? Oh, yeah. Where I could have said, God, let me get the details right. It is entirely biblical to clarify with God what he's asking. Because that is just me still talking to dad about what I need to do. It's okay. Real faith in God is living in a real relationship with him. Let me make this even more clear. Men, have you ever been in a, in a place where you think you ought to understand clearly your wife's instructions before you go do what you think you should do? Did it always work out better when you got clear details? Yeah. All right. Good. Kids, you'll understand that in 40 years. Reaffirm with God. Go ahead and ask him to help you get the details straight. All right, I've lost the little green thing, so I'm going to defer to the man in the sky to move to the next 
slide, please. So we want to respond to God. We want to reaffirm what he's telling us. Go ahead and get the details straight. But the hard part is, is the third thing today, and that's to release fear. Because he got the details straight. Wow, you, you go ahead and turn the button and push the thing and hit the everything but escape. Uh, the details were clear. He asked for reaffirmation, and God says, go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. Getting clarity doesn't mean the risk changes. Getting clarity isn't trying to get permission to stay safe. It isn't convincing God that you should stay safe. God knew what he was doing the first time he gave the instructions. Getting clarity is putting it all together to make sure I'm not messing it up. And for those of you who are really detail-oriented, God is also very detail-oriented, but he doesn't always share all those details with us. Right? Well, I'm going to sit here until every one of my questions is answered by you, God. I need to know the exact time. I need to know the exact color shirt I should wear. I need to know who else is going to be there. I'd like to know the final outcome of this, God. Am I going to lose my life? Uh, am I going to be arrested? Will he use one handcuff or two? Um, you know, how many strikes to the head am I going to get? God will always give us enough information to start moving. Now, I like GPS. I'm old school, so I actually look at, at the map part of the, the computer before I go somewhere, so I get an idea if I'm going north or south, east or west. And I'll often read the main steps or look at the main highways. But my GPS doesn't go, okay, turn left onto Route 316. And by the way, make sure you turn right once you get to Harrisburg. It gives me the steps as I go. Right? The Holy Spirit will sometimes tell us the ending. Sometimes he just says, turn left onto 316. It's part of that relationship where I learned to trust his instructions. Now, in this case, God gave Ananias a little bit more detail, which isn't bad when you're about to go face the guy who is known for his mistreatment of people like you who are going to knock on his door. He tells him, I'm going to use this guy to reach the Gentiles and kings and all kinds of good stuff. Again, the super modern version translation. But regardless of whether God gives us all the details or not, there comes a moment, faith, I, I, I never believe that Christian faith is blind faith. It is based on a foundation of, of learning and understanding. It's based on things that I have seen in my past that others have experienced that the scriptures tell me that make logical sense lots of times. However, when Maggie was three, she didn't often understand the reason behind adult instruction. And all of us need to remember that lesson. Sometimes you just have to obey because you're not in charge.
Sorry, adults. We're not. We might want to be in control. But part of our relationship with God is that I release the fear, I release the insecurity, I release the ego, I release the need to control, I release my own selfishness, and I just obey. All the flowery sermons that have ever been preached, it really comes down to trust God and demonstrate it by obedience once you've heard his instructions. Sometimes he says something to Lynn he doesn't say to me. God didn't tell me to go to this meeting that you're going to this afternoon. So for me to show up is not me trusting God, it's me doing my thing. But when God speaks to me and says, be here, when the Spirit nudges me here, oh, well, Eric might not, he might not remember, he might not be as friendly as he used to be. Oh, uh, God, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, that's Eric, yep, go see him, go say hi. At some point, I just need to obey. Oh, look at that, we're ahead. I get the hint, all right, I'll keep moving. Last, last thing today. The beauty of following God is that we get to reap. There are benefits of obedience. Those come at the end. They don't come at the beginning, right? There are benefits to being obedient. In this case, Ananias is used by God in miraculous healing and in prophetic ministry. I don't know about you, but I think it's pretty cool when miracles happen. I love that it's a sign that this is more than just what a human can do. There is a God who's doing amazing things. And I am so connected to God when I'm in the presence of the Spirit when healings are happening, when miracles are happening, or when prophetic words are being given. That's just amazing. Ananias is, you know, he's just going about his thing. And now, all of a sudden, he just, he walks across town to this house, and now God is using him in this way. Miracles and ministry and healing. And the dude Ananias prays for, you've maybe heard of this guy, Saul, yeah? Let's give him his Christian name, Paul. The guy who immediately starts preaching around Damascus in the synagogues. The guy who establishes churches throughout the known world, the guy who leads hundreds and thousands of people into a relationship with Christ, the guy who writes two-thirds of the New Testament, the guy whose ministry is still causing churches to fight with one another to this day. Now, we do that. God used him to bring clarity to the church, to bring instruction to the church. We still read the gospel or the, the, the writings of Paul and see by grace you've been saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. We read the writings of Paul and go, there is no greater love than he who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. For those of you in this room who are not of Jewish descent, we may never have heard the gospel if Ananias had not walked across town 
and prayed for Paul. God will use all of us, introvert or extrovert. If we start responding to him, continue responding to him. It's okay to get clarification, but ultimately to obey. But you know what? It is a lot of fun to go, wow, I got an up-close and personal encounter I got to see this firsthand. We may not always get to do that. There may be seeds that we're planting today that it'll be two generations before, before they take root and grow. That's all right. But we get to reap the benefits of obedience because when we are obeying, our lives change. My heart changes. God works within me. Ananias did something so cool by obeying, he overcame fear. See, fear is that emotion we have that opens the door for courage. Without fear, there's no courage. Courage is acting in the face of fear. Think back to a time when you did something really brave and, and lived to tell about it. Pretty cool, huh? Obedience to God leads us to a place where we can reap the benefits. Responding and obeying changes me and changes the world. And even introverts can do that. And the final slide, if you would. When we obey, even introverts, we make an impact. The picture I have here is when we were traveling somewhere. It is an actual wall that's the side of some building in, I think, Asheville, North Carolina, if I'm remembering right, which I may or may not. At some point, there was a church that was there that was attached. Now, that building isn't there anymore, but it left a mark. How much more will God allow our lives to make a difference if we let him. As we close, let me just share one final thought with you. All of this is about God loving us, Jews, Gentiles, enough to send someone across town to pray for somebody else so that we could hear. Friends, God loves us and has good things planned for us. Oh, life will send us difficult things too. But God loves us. And, and I don't know everyone here, and even if I did, I don't know where you're at with God. But if you came in today and you're, you're struggling with, does God really care? Yes, he does. He cared enough that 2,000 years ago, not only did Jesus offer his life to pay for my sin. But a little while after that, God sent a guy across town to pray for someone else. Because he loves us. Would you bow your heads with me? We're going to close in prayer. If you haven't yet responded to the love of God, I want to 
encourage you to do that today. I'm happy to stick around and pray with you, talk with you. If you're here today, maybe you're like Saul, right? Maybe you've encountered God, but there's still some things in your life that, that you feel blinded, that, that you feel like you need some chains to be set free. Ananias just didn't just show up and have a cup of coffee. The power of God worked through him. I want to pray for you today. If you need to experience the power of God, the freedom of God, I want you to just call out to God now. Lord, in your name, we come thanking you for our freedom, thanking you for our salvation. Lord, thank you that you're patient with us the times we've struggled, the times our hearing hasn't been good. Lord, today, we just respond with we're here. As you lead us, we will follow. Lord, for those in chains today, in the name of Jesus, we break off those chains. In the name of Jesus, we say be healed. In the name of Jesus, we say walk in freedom. That your power and glory might be known. Amen. Let's stand and sing one last song together this morning.